0: listening to the PWBA podcast a show about the current superstars and legends of the professional women's bowling association join bowl tv's jason thomas and aaron smith as they bring you a collection of stories history and the latest happenings from the best women bowlers in the world Afternoon, Aaron Smith. How are you doing this fine Monday?
1: Hello, Jason. Uh, I'm doing great. It's uh, great to be back here on the PWBA podcast. And uh, I think we're pretty excited about the special edition coming up today. Obviously, you can see the background. Uh, We're going pink here uh, from the PWBA podcast today. It's Bull for the Cure Month uh, all all of February. So uh, we are excited to uh, change things up a little bit here this week. And uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for us to uh, chat with some unbelievable individuals and uh, get to learn along the way as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so many great things that we do on the campus here, and this is absolutely one of them. Uh, I'm really excited to get to to talk to these these ladies here from Komen. Um to to find out a little bit more about what they do and and our partnership and and educate the audience a little bit more about how they can get involved. So that's going to be awesome. And then we're going to have a special treat uh, towards the end of the show. We're going to have Chelsea Gilliam, who um, is a breast cancer survivor and also a a PWBA bowler. Um, One of the most inspirational people I've gotten the chance to meet over the course of my career. And I'm looking forward to catching up with her and, uh, and hearing what she's up to.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And we'll be bringing in, Sarah Rosales and Susan Brown in just a couple of seconds here. But, uh, you know, you talked about the things we do on campus for Bull for the Cure, and it's a partnership that's uh, been going on since 2000, so uh, more than 20 years now. Uh, We're going to learn a little bit more about that. But uh, so many great opportunities to uh, to donate, uh, be a part of the events that go around, uh, that take place across the country. Uh, So we'll mention again at the end of the show, but uh, bull.com slash BFTC, Bull for the Cure, uh, a great resource to learn more. Uh, so many great things. And, of course, even uh, when you shop Bull for the Cure, 25% of the proceeds go to uh, Bull for the Cure to help fight breast cancer. Uh, so uh, you can find that at usbcbowlingstore.com. But so many great, uh, just great initiatives through this program, uh, USBC and Susan G. coming working together. Uh, so let's uh, let's bring in our first guest, JT. Let's do it, yes. All right, we'll start off with uh, Susan Brown. or Susan. <laughs> hello
0: good afternoon good afternoon
2: Cheryl. hi hello we're so thrilled to be here with you today
0: it's it's awesome to have you guys uh, you know what we, a big month yes <laughs> yes it, it I mean great great uh, chance to to promote you know awareness for bull for the cure and for breast cancer awareness uh, we've got the the pink behind us uh, you guys look like uh, you're at home. Uh, but uh, what have you guys been up to during the pandemic? And um, you know what? Um, what uh, are, are some of the initiatives that you're looking forward to working on? You know this month.
2: Yeah, well, it's been a big year, uh, certainly for our country, and continues to be for the breast cancer community that we serve. So we remain, you know, really focused on funding critical research, um, and I think you know really doubling down on funding research on really the most aggressive forms of breast cancer, but also on um, research for communities that seem to be most affected um, with disparities in breast cancer outcomes. I think this year shined a really bright light on disparities in health um, outcomes with COVID-19 and those same disparities exist with breast cancer as well. So investing in research and, and focusing our work there and also on our patient services. I think we saw more families, um, more men and women in treatment and caregivers needing the support of our critical patient services um, than ever before. So that includes our helpline and our treatment assistance program and our patient navigation services. So we've continued um, to stay a strong resource for the breast cancer community and we're so grateful for this partnership Um, And for the incredible support of the centers and the bowlers and the teams and the leagues that have really continued to stand with us and and make the work we do so possible.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. And and, um, we're going to go into that a little bit more deeply in a second but Sarah, I know you are a bowler yourself. Yes uh, yeah I, I uh, grew up in the Milwaukee area bowling. So tell us a little bit about your bowling background and then we'll, we'll jump back into uh, you know some of the work that you're
2: yeah. doing yeah so you know bowling has been just such an important of my entire important part of my entire family's life. Um, I joined my first of Saturday morning bowling league when I was four years old. I had an older brother that bowled. Um, and parents that bowled in the same couple's league on Saturday night for 25 years with the same um, couples. Um, So it's been just an incredible part of my family's kind of history in Milwaukee. Um, Just such incredible memories of our time at Echo Bowl uh, just outside of Milwaukee. So it's been an incredible pastime and one that i've been so thrilled to get to pass on to my own daughters um they're they're little they're four and two but we've started with the bumper bulls uh here in dallas um and looking forward to introducing them to the sport i think it's just a great way to have fun and and connect with uh friends and family
1: Uh, that's very awesome and looking forward to that and we have a great resource here to uh uh, here in Arlington at the International Bowling Campus, we've got the ITRC for training and getting ready. for these <laughs> bowling I, think,
2: I think we need to be very clear about the, the skill level that
1: I have. <laughs> but Sarah, it's been a long uh, time
2: since I've bowled competitively, most certainly, but certainly uh, something I enjoy for fun.
1: Never too late. <laughs> yes, that's very true, very true. Well, Sarah, uh, your role with Susan G. Komen, you're the VP of Corporate Sponsorship. And uh, as we kind of said at the top of the show, uh, the partnership with USBC and Susan G. Komen uh, has been going for more than 20 years. So can you just tell us a little bit about uh, kind of the, the partnership that we have and uh, just kind of everything that that encompasses it?
2: Yeah. So more than 20 years of partnership, which is really incredible. And I think um, the the fact that U.S. Bowling and really, again, your centers and your bowlers and your teams have stood with us for two decades is um, incredible! I think that it demonstrates how this cause and this mission has resonated with the the constituents that you serve. Um, you know, breast cancer is a disease that affects so many of our lives. It, you know, one in eight women will be diagnosed in her lifetime. So, so many of us are touched by this disease, and I think this partnership um, and the way that your bowlers and centers have been able to engage has just been a really incredible kind of rally cry for people. So there's lots of different events around the country. Um, Again, this is Bull for the Cure month. Um, So I saw on the Facebook page, there's lots of things happening, Um, but really it is a year round initiative. So there's opportunities for centers and bowlers to host events um, and raise funds um, anytime to support our mission.
0: Yeah, and I I know that over the, the course of the partnership, uh, over $13 million has been raised in, in, in some of these, you know, in these events, what, what are those, what are those events look like and how, how does the, uh, how are the funds raised and how are they distributed?
2: Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the events look different. Some are small and some are big. Um, some are individual teams um, inviting their friends and families out for a special poll for the cure event. Um, Some are entire centers hosting kind of pink out nights, um, raising funds for Bowl for the Cure. And then all of those funds um, are sent to Susan K. Komen and um, invested in our critical research initiatives, as I shared, and again, our patient support services. So really, um, our frontline work that we do to support patients and caregivers.
1: Very excellent. Uh, And, you know, talking about the relationship, one of the uh you know one of the big events we look forward to every year uh obviously with the pandemic uh we haven't been able to have in 20 or 2021 on site but uh at the usbc annual convention uh there's always a a great moment where just everybody comes together to celebrate uh the year for bull for the cure and everything that's come together uh and i I know i've only been to one convention myself but i've seen it in person and it, it was just one of the one of those moments where Uh, you know, you just get, you get chills, uh, experiencing it. Uh, you see all the lights go pink, everyone's cheering, going crazy for, uh, just, just the year that bull for the cure created. So talk a little bit about that as well. You know, obviously, as we said, we haven't had the opportunity to do it in 20 or 21, but, uh, it's, uh, it's something special and a great moment.
2: Yeah. Such a powerful moment. I think whenever, again, you see, um, see organizations rally behind a cause, I think that opportunity to come together and build community and celebrate um, what a group has accomplished and what U.S. Bowling has accomplished over the year is just so incredible. Um, And together you've helped celebrate survivors and those living with metastatic breast cancer, um, those currently in treatment, and you've really been able to authentically tell stories um, of how your funds raised are driving impact for individuals in your communities, and I think that's what's so incredible. And I'll be really excited to be at the conference, hopefully uh, next time around.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, it is a great moment. But what are what are before Susan? Hi, you're still yeah. yeah hi, we're, we're, we're going to bring into the conversation in a second here, but but uh, Sarah, one more thing. Uh, what are some of your favorite events over the years that have taken place? And maybe maybe one, uh, one or two good little stories about, you know, uh, some of the stuff that we've done together uh, with Bull for the Cure.
2: Well, I had the opportunity to see the, the, the video of the four women that you invited to Dallas. I think it was 2015. Uh, 2015. I think we're gonna yeah. meet Kelsey in just a little bit. Um, but the opportunity to, again, introduce your community to women who are currently in treatment or survivors and tell their stories. Um, what an incredible experience for those four women. Um, I think a, an experience that changed their lives forever. Um, and just a great way again to celebrate our incredible partnership.
0: And how, how can people get more involved and where can they find um you know you know more information yeah. on how to get more involved?
2: So there's a Facebook page, bowl for the cure, and then sorry, BFTC. <laughs> <Got> <laughs> bowl.com slash BT. Sorry, V F T C. Bull.com BFTC. Did I get that right?
1: That's it. Yep. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, uh, let's move on and talk to uh, Susan a little bit. Susan, you're, you're, um, you know, the expert uh, when it comes to understanding, you know, this disease and, and what impacts it has on on folks. Uh, what just first of all, what is I mean, I think it seems pretty obvious, but what is uh, breast cancer and, and what, why is it such a, uh, a nefarious thing that we're dealing
4: with in uh, in, in our life? Well, breast cancer is a disease that obviously starts in the breast where the cells in the breast tissue grow, go crazy. They continue to grow and grow and grow. They don't die like they're supposed to. And they form tumors and cancerous tumor that starts in the breast really has the ability to spread within the breast. And more importantly, for some of those cells to break off and travel to other parts of the body where they grow again and uh Sarah mentioned metastatic breast cancer, and that's what this is. When breast cancer spreads to another organ and starts to grow again, and breast, metastatic breast cancer is so important because that's really what causes the deaths associated with breast cancer. It's it's a it's a big problem because it's the most common cancer among women in the United States, and as a matter of fact, in the world. And so chances are, um, you know, someone that's been impacted by breast cancer. And if you don't know someone that's been impacted yet, chances are you will at some point. So it's something that everyone needs to know about and um, to um, care about really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know cancer can sometimes be kind of a a random thing. You know, sometimes people will get it just, just, out of no fault of their own, but what what are some of the more common things that, that are actually related to, um, you know, the causes of, of breast cancer?
4: So we honestly don't know exactly what causes breast cancer to develop in one person and not another person at a certain point in time. We know that all the cancers start as a result of a, of a genetic mutation. We don't know what causes those genetic mutations in most cases. Um, so that Those are things that could happen during the course of a person's lifetime related to lifestyle or exposure to some environmental toxin that we don't even recognize yet. About five to 10 percent of breast cancers are associated with an inherited gene mutation. Uh, So this mutation that a child inherits from either a mom or a dad. And so later, when we talk about the importance of family history, that really illustrates that. A family's, uh, a dad's family's history is important to an individual, just like a mom's family history related to breast cancer.
0: Gotcha. Are are there certain types of people that are more at risk than others? Uh,
4: Well, the take home message is that everyone's at risk. So I'm going to start with that. But then I will say that breast cancer, typically, the risk typically increases as people get older. The two most uh, common risk factors for developing breast cancer are being born female and getting older. And we can't do anything about either of those things. And so um, that's again, that's why we come back to the point that all people are at risk. Everyone is at risk of developing breast cancer.
0: Yeah, are there any other causes like smoking? I know smoking is associated a lot with lung cancer um, or or diet. Uh, are, are there any of those kinds of things that you have to watch out for that can actually decrease if you if you avoid those things?
4: So other things that increase the risk of developing breast cancer are being overweight or obese uh, in adulthood. Um, Lack of physical activity is associated with an increased risk. Um, uh, Using alcohol, alcohol intake using postmenopausal hormones are also uh, associated with an increased risk in breast cancer. Some of those things we can do something about, but other things we we can't do anything about. So, what, what we can do is be aware that breast cancer is a, is a, is a possibility. Is at, we're all at risk for developing the disease. And then being very aware of um, our bodies, being conscious of changes that might we might see in our breast, uh, talking to our families about our family's history. Family history can increase a person's risk of developing breast cancer. But on the flip side, not having a history of breast cancer doesn't mean that an individual is safe. As a matter of fact, most people, 87% of cases of breast cancer occur in women who have no f- close family relative with a history of breast cancer. Again, back to that message, everyone is at risk.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And, and I know uh, Chelsea, who we have coming up on the show, you know, she was somebody who got it at a very young age and is very much an advocate of early detection. You know, what are some of the things people can do to, uh, uh, you know, detect it as, as soon as, as possible.
4: Well, knowing your risk is important for one thing. So knowing your family's history um, is information that you can gather at any age and then take that information with your to your healthcare provider and then talk about what screening tests are going to be appropriate for you based on your on your age and then also your risk. Screening mammography is sort of the gold standard for finding breast cancer early. I think everyone's heard about mammograms. Having a physical exam, a clinical breast exam uh, is also important because while mammograms are uh, accurate, uh, no screening test is 100%. So a clinical exam and a mammogram together are are the most important. Um, those things together are, are more accurate. And then for people who are at very high risk for breast cancer. So being a member of one of those families I mentioned before where there's a known genetic mutation uh, is an indication of being um, at very high risk. And then breast MRI might be added to a screening regimen for those people.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, when when someone actually is diagnosed, um, what is the treatment that they typically would, would undergo. And I assume it's different, you know, based on the, the stage that you're diagnosed with, correct?
4: That's right. Treatment is personalized, individualized, based on the characteristics of the tumor. Um, that is, lear- that you learn, you get that information from a pathology report after a, the sur- after a biopsy. Um, and then treatment almost always includes surgery and then some other form of treatment, usually radiation therapy, Or a drug therapy that might include um, hormone therapy or chemotherapy or uh, HER2-targeted therapy. Again, and those decisions are based on the characteristics of that that individual's tumor. And so it's a a medical decision, but it's also a personal decision. So patients, along with their providers, discuss the options and then together, in partnership, make uh, the decisions about what treatment is going to be best for that individual.
1: Gotcha. Susan, uh, obviously there's, uh, you you know, uh, many times with breast cancer, uh, it's mostly associated with uh, on the female side, but uh, why is it important for our male viewers watching to to learn more about breast cancer?
4: Well, breast cancer can occur in men. And sometimes men are very surprised to hear that. And sometimes there's a delay in diagnosis because they didn't even, breast cancer wasn't even on their radar. more likely they'll be placed in a role as a co-survivor. So as someone who um, who knows a woman who, in their, fa- in their life who has been impacted by breast cancer, it might be a partner, a sister, a mom, a colleague. And so really uh, just being aware of uh, that breast cancer can be, um, that when someone in their life is going through breast cancer, it can be very important. They could pay, play a very supportive role Mostly they can just be there, be available, uh, communicate that they care and that they're um, thinking about them. They can take on more practical roles uh, depending on the the relationship, the nature of the relationship. They can accompany family members to a doctor's appointment. They can handle the insurance. They can help with uh, things at home, child care, meals. Laundry, all of those kinds of things. So it just basically depends on the relationship between that man and then that that woman that's being impacted by breast cancer.
0: Yeah. And if you're a man watching uh, uh, the show, don't wait till your wife gets breast cancer to help with the laundry and some of that other stuff, right? <laughs> 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 she would be doing that already.
4: <laughs> that's just practical advice exactly. on a daily basis, exactly. right? <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. So, uh, So what you talked a little bit about what men can do. What what are some of the things specifically, you know, when, um, you know, your partner is diagnosed that, that, you know, you can do, um, you know, from like, I think a lot, you t- you mentioned a lot of the, a lot of the things, you know, uh, uh, generally, but specifically, what are some of the things that, you know, men can do when, when, uh, you know, their partner comes down with, uh, with a, a diagnosis of breast cancer? And some what are some of the stories that you've seen of, of some of the men out there helping, you know, their their spouses or or partners get through this?
4: Well, um, in some parts of the world, and actually even here, there is a stigma associated with breast cancer. And in the Middle East, women are, are fearful that their husbands will take another wife if they're diagnosed with breast cancer. And of course, that's not the concern here in our country. But in our country, there is concern by many women that their husbands, their partners will leave them if they're diagnosed with breast cancer, and so I think that men can play a huge role, really, in the community uh, as well as in their families by uh, showing support uh, for the women in their lives who are impacted by breast cancer, changing that cultural, changing that attitude toward breast cancer among the men, and then also uh,
1: among the women.
0: Yeah, that's that's you know sad to hear things like that, but uh, I mean. Yeah. It's, uh, I, yeah. I don't know what else to say about that really. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, if, if my wife were to be diagnosed with breast cancer, not wanting to support her to the fullest extent, you know, uh, but that's uh, just me. Uh.
4: So then, on the <laughs> other on the other hand, I worked with a man at one point and his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer and, and he did the legwork. work, you know, he, he went out and, and learned what he could about breast cancer because when you when you Google breast cancer, which we don't recommend, we recommend you go to org if you want to learn about breast cancer. But he went out and he, you know, he did the research and he came back and distilled it and came back to her and then accompanied her to her doctor's appointments and was there as a listening ear. And then also just to support the decision that ultimately was hers, was hers to make. So there's, it runs the gamut and we hear many more stories about those supportive men than we do the other men for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. Uh, So, so what, what is your message to people that, you know, just want to educate themselves a little bit more about how to, how to be more aware of of this disease, how to help other people that maybe are suffering from it and also, you know, how to, how to just, you know, ward it off in, in their own lives.
4: So I think there are a couple of things. One, everyone's at risk for breast cancer. One of the things everyone can do is to talk to their families about their family's medical history, because that can impact an individual's own history take that information, go to their doctors, have a conversation about their personal risk and about the screening tests that are right for them. It's important for women and men to be familiar with their body so that if they notice a, a physical change, they recognize it as a change and they seek that care from their healthcare providers. And then to make some healthy lifestyle choices to you know, to, uh, control their weight, maintain um, a, 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 an overall healthy diet, Avoid over avoid um, uh, limit alcohol intake, avoid the use of postmenopausal hormones, breastfeed if you can. And in in general, um, understand that breast cancer is a problem. Yes, it's a problem. But mortality has been reduced more than 40 percent since 1989. We've made such strides in the options women have for treatment and men have for treatment today are as a result of all of the investment that's been made in research for, for, for in the past years. And the importance of people agreeing to participate in clinical trials so that we could bring that research from the laboratory into the clinic. And all of us today will benefit from that. And those that come after us will also benefit from our willingness to invest in the research and to participate in clinical trials when we have those opportunities. Gotcha.
0: And, and uh, Sarah mentioned this, but what can be, what can people do to help support the cause?
4: So, uh, look around in your community. Look to those Bowling for the Cure events. Participate. There are other events. There are common, uh, um, more than Pink Walks. There are Breast Cancer Three Days. There are people in communities that are doing DIY activities. That that all. Uh, draw attention to the issue of breast cancer and raise funds to support the activities that Sarah already described. And and we just are, you know, we're a bit, we want to be a big family and that we want to be a family that's inclusive of people that want to support in all sorts of ways.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, uh, we've got a survivor waiting in the, in the green room.
4: Would you like to meet uh, one of our, one of our most
2: inspirational people, one of the most inspirational people I've, I've ever met?
4: We'd love to. You know, as a matter of fact, I think I was at Comen headquarters when Chelsea came and visited a few years ago. And Sarah mentioned our, and You mentioned how it impacted the bowlers that came to headquarters. But I'll just have to say it. on behalf of all of us that were there, it was very inspirational for all of us to see these incredible women and to hear the stories they had to share. So we I think we gained as much or more than they did.
0: Well, uh, let's let's bring in uh, Chelsea. We really appreciate all the information, uh, mm-hmm. Sarah and Susan, about um, Bull for the Cure and what you guys are doing. You know, it's, it's a huge uh, thing that you're doing for the world. And I'm sure it makes you feel good every day when you get up in the morning and know that you're helping, uh, you know, make the world a better place. But uh, this young lady, she's always, you know, every time I've run into her, she's made the world a better place for me. Um, and uh, so let's say hi to her. Hello, Chelsea, hey, how Chelsea.
2: are you? Hi, I'm Chelsea. good how are
0: you guys. Doing great, doing fantastic. We are
2: so happy to see you.
3: It's awesome to see everybody.
0: <laughs> so you, you got to go to the headquarters a few years back, uh, Chelsea. You were one of the winners of the Fabulous Four contest that we ran. What was that experience like uh, for you?
3: Uh, it was so awesome, not only meeting the other three women. It, them alone, it felt like we had known each other forever by the time our week was over. So that was great. And we still talk to each other today. Um, but just getting to go to the headquarters was cool because we all hear about Komen and everything. And so it was nice to see behind the scenes, you know, meet some of the people that work hard and everything that goes into all of the stuff we
2: see out in the world.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was it was such a cool experience. I got to film it which, uh, you know, I got to go to Reno with you guys and, and do the, the women's championships experience and then, you know, put, put a little video together on the, on the whole experience. But what was that experience just, you know, like for you?
3: It was crazy, but it was so much fun. Uh, I had always wanted to bowl in Reno. And so um, the fact that I got to do it, supporting this cause was even better.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you are a heck of a good bowler uh, in your own right. So was that? <laughs> I know, I know. You know, you were definitely the best bowler of the group. Uh, did that put a little pressure on you to perform?
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, they. Um, I remember they stopped me when we walked in. They stopped me and at, were asking me questions, and that caught me off guard. And then uh, we all four threw out the first shot, and so. I was definitely nervous on that one, but we made it through.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Susan and Sarah, before we uh, move on to the rest of our conversation with Chelsea, any, any kind of final thoughts that you guys want to give to the audience at home before we uh, let you guys go?
2: Well, first Chelsea, thanks for for joining the conversation today. We're so inspired by you and so proud of you and and so grateful just to have you part of the Coleman community. So we are all continuing to root for you most certainly. And I think really to the entire bowling community, thank you. Uh, Thanks for continuing to support Coleman and continuing to allow us to do the work we all know is so important.
4: And I would just say thank you to Chelsea for sharing your story because you just being here and sharing your story is so inspirational to us and to I know, to, to everyone else who hears it. So thank you so much for being courageous and in being willing to um, inspire others the way that you the, the way that you do.
2: Thank well, you.
0: Su- Susan and Sarah, we really appreciate your guys' time. Uh, this afternoon. And uh, one last, uh, where can people go to find, you know, more about Bull for the Cure and Komen?
2: Uh, you can go to Komen.org for more information on breast cancer and your breast health. Um, and for more information on Bull for the Cure, go to bull.com slash BFTC.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys again so much for joining us today. And thank you for all you're
4: doing. Thank you so much for having us. So Chelsea. <laughs>
0: what what have you been up to lately? Let's just start there.
3: Um not as much as I normally am, which is weird because I have a lot of downtime and I don't know what to do with it. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, join the join the club.
3: <laughs> um some recruiting. Um our school we actually opted out of competition for the whole year. So we don't have a tournament schedule or anything, but Hopefully the girls are supposed to be back on campus um, next week, and so I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we'll at least get to practice some um, this year.
0: Yeah, tell tell the tell the folks watching what what are you know your, some of your background, your bowling history, and then what you're you know doing now, your competitive stuff, and and uh, give give the folks a little bit of a, a background on that.
3: Yeah, so I've been bowling since I was five, grew up in bowling centers. I was that little kid on Friday nights running around while their parents were bowling league. Me too. Um, (laughs) And then I bowled in high school. I went off to college. I bowled at the University of Pikeville for four years. Um, And then after that, I started coaching, got a graduate assistant position at Union College. Became the head coach there, spent three years there. Um, Then I got to the wonderful opportunity to start the program at Youngstown State University, um, which was amazing because it's not every day you get to start a Division I program. So uh, I had a great group of girls there, spent three years there. And now I'm down in warm, sunny Florida coaching at Bethune-Cookman University.
0: Nice. Nice. I was in Wichita this weekend. It was 13. So I I was very jealous of of Florida weather for sure.
3: We're finally warming back up. We're in the seventies again. It was cold for a while. We were 40. So, you know, that's freezing. Yeah, yeah, I
0: (laughs) I I, I feel so bad for you. (laughs) Actually in Texas, it's not too bad. Uh, Yeah. But but Wichita was not warm.
3: Oh, I Um, bet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, let's talk about, uh, your, your story with, uh, breast cancer. Uh, how, when were you diagnosed? When did you find out and what was kind of your reaction?
3: Um, so I was originally diagnosed in 2013. Um, I had been having some unusual symptoms and so I ended up going to the emergency room one night and they did some tests and everything like that. And they said, okay, tomorrow, you need to go and have an ultrasound done um, and don't let them tell you no. So I was like, okay, that kind of threw me off a little bit. But then, so I went, we did the ultrasound. Um, they came back and they're like, well, there's something. So then we did a biopsy. And I always say they told me three times before I even got to the doctor's office. I knew um, they called me. That morning and they were like oh we won't just want to make sure that um somebody comes with you to your appointment so i was like oh well there's you know strike one that don't usually happen yeah um and then once we got there we were in the waiting room my mom and i she was here and um they kept taking people back that had came after us And a nurse finally came out and she said, well, the doctor just wants to make sure that she has plenty of time to talk to you. And I was like, okay, well, there's strike two. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And then um, when they finally called us back, instead of taking us into an exam room, they took us into the doctor's office. And so I was like, well, there's strike three. So I had been preparing myself for like all morning to hear what they were about to tell me because they pretty much had already told me so it was uh wow. crazy because i was only 23 so that's the youngest anyone like they had ever seen they said that they were going to send me to doctors in lexington because they weren't they didn't know so even those doctors said i was the youngest patient they had ever had so it was kind of crazy but we were just like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And that's what we did. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it, it's kind of everybody's worst nightmare, right? Like learning that you have cancer. Um, how, how did you deal with that? Like what, how, I know a lot of people also don't want to find out because they're afraid of that moment of realization that they have it. So what, what would you be your advice to people that, you know, are afraid to, you know, kind of find out?
3: My biggest thing ever since the beginning, and people always comment on how open I am about my story and everything, because if, you know, we're friends on Facebook, I always post updates about what's going on. And my biggest thing is because I was so young, it's so important to me that if another young woman or man, you know, reads something that I post and they notice something early and it saves their life, then that is, that's why I am so open about everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, a great message. So, uh, let tell us the story of, you know, your fight and how, you know, what, what, what was that like and, uh, what did you have to go through?
3: Um, so the first time we did surgery, um, and it wasn't, I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. But I also had my teams um, and our athletic staff at Union were super supportive. And my athletes kept me busy. And I've always tried to stay busy doing something to keep my mind on other things. Um, And then the second time, kind of the same situation. That is a little crazier story. Once uh, we found out that it had came back, I had been having some hip pain for a few months and we thought I had pulled a muscle. And um, when they, they told me that it came back, I brought it up to the surgeon. I'm like, Hey, I've been having this pain. It just won't go away. Um, And she was like, well, maybe it's just, you know, cause you're a jock, you know, you're sports and you're always so active and stuff. I'm like, I don't know. So they ended up, ordering a bone scan and so i was actually in illinois for my best friend's wedding and then i was going to fly to reno for nationals from there so they wanted the bone scan so i drove back to ohio did the test drove back flew out to reno bowled nine games i was on pain meds and anti-inflammatories because it was hurting um, and then four days later I found out that I had actually just bowled on a fractured femur. Wow. <laughs> and, You're like Tiger and, Woods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh they were like um, yeah, your hip could break at any moment. Wow. So, we're going to do surgery right away and then during the surgery they um they tested the tissue and it came back positive that it was the same breast cancer that um had caused the issues in my in my leg. So that's how we found out that I was now stage four. So,
0: yeah. And then what, 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 um, what treatment happened after that?
3: We did the, um, surgery. So now I have an awesome titanium rod in my leg. (laughs) Um, but it's kind of boring because it doesn't set off metal detectors. So (laughs) Like, you no, know, if you, you want
0: titanium in your body, you want it. You want all the benefits of it, I, right? You I, want it. At
3: least if I have to have it, it could you know set off a metal detector every once in a while. <laughs> uh, um, but then we did radiation on my leg, Um and then after that, I was on an oral chemo, hormone therapy daily, um, and then actually back in August, I had a surgery and. So I used to be HER2 negative, um, and then in August, my surgeon just happened to send a sample to pathology, and they found that I'm now HER2 positive, um, which completely changed my treatment plan and started with chemo, which is why you see me in my awesome hats. If you see me around, you see me in a hat right now, so. yes but I just finished that up two weeks ago and my doctors are happy with how my scans looked. So now we'll continue, um, maintenance therapy and, um, medication. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're obviously, you know, we are all rooting for you. And the thing that's so awesome about you is, you know, you're, you're on the show here today. You're smiling. You're it's like, it's like, it's just a normal part of your life. I mean, Uh, You remind me of Rocky, you know, Rocky, (laughs) Rocky gets knocked down by Apollo Creed and he just keeps getting back up. And not only does he get back up, but he punches back and it feels like that's what you do. Uh,
3: Yeah, I try to, I always tell people, um, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. And I'm going to do the things that I want to do, like bowling, the tour and coaching and all of this stuff, traveling and cancer just going to have to come along for the ride because we got things to do and we're not going to sit around and not do it. So, yeah that's, <laughs> awesome. yeah,
0: that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, so what else is going on? You talked about, you know, all the other things that you got going on in your life. What are you, uh, what are you working on? Are you you looking to try to get back out and bowl against the ladies on the PWBA? I know you're, you're working with your, you know, probably pretty hard to build a new college program.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For- recruiting trying to build the program back up it's difficult right now if the ncaa could stop extending our dead period that would be great because they're in down here in florida we've had so many youth tournaments going on and i'm not allowed to go watch them so (laughs) it's very difficult but um doing that excited to get the girls back on campus and i am definitely looking forward to being back on the lanes and i want to get back out On the tour, as long as I my goal now is to build some strength back up um, and start practicing again and get out there soon. So
0: that's awesome. So uh you you talked a little bit about, you know, being a coach. How how do you weave in your own personal experience into, you know, the message that you deliver to your to your athletes? Do you do you even mention it? I mean, I'm sure that's something they know about and are aware of. And how do you how do you use that to motivate them?
3: Oh yeah, they are definitely aware. Uh, that's something that every year, especially with the new freshmen, um, I tell them right away, our first team meeting, I'm like, Hey, this is what's going on. Some days I may seem off cause I, I have my bad days for sure. Um, And I just tell them, you know, it's probably not you. It's probably just me (laughs) having a day. (laughs) Um, But they're fully aware. Um, I update them all the time, just because I want that transparency, and I want them to feel comfortable coming to talk to me or asking questions. Because I'm with young females, you know, 18 to 22, and I was 23. So I want them, you know, if they have a question or you know some even if something's going on and they start noticing something i want them to feel like they can come and talk to me and have someone that's going to help them get whatever they need
0: yeah yeah and i know you know just by getting up every day and doing what you do you're inspiring people but what are some of the other things that you know you, you try to tell people about how to get more involved in the cause
3: Um, I try to push, you know, the Bull for the Cure events. I have a lot of friends that host tournaments and they usually do a Bull for the Cure event. So I try and share that information. Um, I also share facts and stuff like that um, about Komen. But another big one for me is the Metaviver organization. It's for um, metastatic breast cancer survivors. And they are really big on doing research and grants and stuff for metastatic cancer specifically, um, which I love Coleman and, you know, they do a lot for breast cancer as a whole, but stage four doesn't always necessarily get as much research. I think as we need, cause I feel like if we can cure stage four, we'll be able to cure all cancer. Yeah. Um, so that's a big one. That's one that I, you know, for donations and stuff, whenever it comes up, that's one that's really big for me. So.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Chelsea. Well, oh. oh,
0: go ahead, Aaron. Sorry. Oh, no problem. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, I just wanted to hear a little bit about the, uh, you know, through the course of your journey, just the support from the bowling community. Uh, I know we, we did an article on PWBA.com a little, a couple of years ago, and you talked about the support of, you know, the, the athletes that you coach, the the, the programs that, uh, that you've been a part of, but uh, just talk about the bowling community in general and how they've uh, been able to support uh, you throughout this fight.
3: It's been amazing because I know, you know, with bowling, we meet people from all over the country and I mean, all over the world. And that was one thing about the tour. I got to meet a lot more women. And so now I have friends from everywhere and I'll get messages you know, randomly saying that, asking how I'm doing, or they're supporting me and stuff like that. And so it's nice because I have my family and I have my athletes, but I also have an even wider, bigger group of people all over supporting me. And that helps me just push a little further every day.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I know, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. We talked about getting up every day and punching back. Do you have, you know, some long-term goals that you've set for yourself or is it just kind of like a, Hey, let's get up every day. And every day we, we just, you know, do our best. And you know, what, what are, what are, you know, what are you looking forward to in the future?
3: Um, I was, uh, that's, that's a tough question. (laughs) Cause you know, it's, you want to set goals and like, I want to bowl the tour again and I want to, you know, build a successive program and, you know, have a family and everything, but it's hard also because the future is so it's unclear and who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Like when my cancer type changed, I think that only happens in like 15% of women, you know, that change happens. So it's, you set goals because that's what keeps me, you know, pushing forward and stuff, but you don't want to, you know, set hopes too, too high because things could change tomorrow. So.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, is it something, you know, that you've like, for example, before you were diagnosed, did, did, did your outlook change once you were diagnosed or is, have you always been, you know, this kind of a person?
3: I think I've always been this kind of person. Um, but it probably more of, okay, I want to do this. I'm going to do it type thing. After I was diagnosed, I was like, I'm not going to let this, um, keep me from doing the things I want to do. And I'm still going to enjoy life. And I think I've probably maybe become a little more adventurous since I used to just be a homebody and I would want to, you know, (laughs) just do my stuff and then, Relax at home. And now I'm like, okay, well, you know, I want to travel and I want to go see these things. So that's probably been a benefit to this situation if there is one. So
0: yeah, 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 no, exactly. Do you, do you actually, you know, preach that to others now? Just, just say, Hey, why are you, why are you being a homebody? Why are you not trying? Why are you not do it? Look at me.
3: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, well, it's hard right now because you know, we all are, have been sitting at home and that's, it's probably been the hardest for me is being home. Not having stuff to do is worn on me the most, but when we're able to do things, I'm like, you know, someone would say, Oh, I've always wanted to go here. I'm like, well then go, you know, (laughs) Right, right. like if you have the time and you have the ability, do it because you don't know when you're not going to be able to do it. So yeah, I definitely tell people if you want to go on a trip, take the trip. If there's a new job opportunity, take the job opportunity, you know, just go and just do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Chelsea, one of the things that we have traditionally done on this, uh, podcast is, and since we've all been homebodies, uh, lately, is is we ask for your uh chelsea gilliam binge watch recommendations we want to know what tv you're watching we want to know what movies you're watching what are the chelsea gilliam must
3: watches um let's see i've binge watched so much stuff (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, um bridgerton i know that's a big one yeah um around and then i also recently finished ray donovan which I think the show ended last January, but I binge watched that. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um. Let's see what else. Sweet Magnolias, I think, is a little series. It's super cute. So if you like something a little more, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it's cute.
0: Sure, sure. What is your favorite movie of all time?
3: The Dark Knight.
0: Ah, oh, that's that's choice. Oh.
2: The yeah. Heath
3: Ledger as the Joker, he was probably my favorite Joker. Um, And then the newest one I thought was really, really good too. It was definitely had a darker twist to it, but yeah, he, I'm a huge Batman fan. So are the you Dark looking Night, forward to the
0: Rob Pattinson one?
3: I'm optimistically cautious <laughs> <laughs> about how he is going to portray Batman. Yeah. So yeah.
0: are you a Rob Pattinson? Are you a Twilight fan?
3: I watched them. I wasn't as big into it as a lot of my friends were, but I did watch the movies. Gotcha. 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 And that is why I'm optimistically cautious. <laughs> yeah, how yeah. He's going to play that. Man. <laughs> he was in Harry Potter too. He was, I yeah. said he died in Harry Potter and then yeah. he became Edward Cullen. That's how it yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's
0: like a wormhole.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, What is kind of your final message to, you know, the folks watching at home about this whole, this whole terrible disease and, you know, you know, how you've dealt with it and how you've, you know, survived and and moved through it and been an inspiration to everybody?
3: Oh, thank you. I would say be positive as much as possible. I know it's easier said than done, but I feel like it's helped me get through Some tough news and tough days, just being positive that, you know, good days are going to come and also be aware of what's going on with your body, pay attention. And if you notice something, I know it can be scary, but go get it checked out because if it is something, it's a million times better to find it early and take care of it than to wait and have it be a worse situation in the long run.
0: Yeah. That's a great message. Um, uh, mm-hmm. thank you so much for everything you're doing. It's really great to, to get to see you and catch up with you.
3: Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. I was super excited when you asked. So <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it's, it's awesome. been awesome. Uh, and, and good luck with everything. If there's anything we can do for you to help, let us know.
3: I will. And hopefully I'll see you guys on the lanes yes. sooner rather than later. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. And, we like and, to hear. Yeah, exactly. And and also if you want to come and do some bold TV commentary, we'd love to have you too.
3: Awesome. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. My competitive side is itching. So (laughs) we'll get up, we'll get back out there. And I would love to join you guys for sure. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll talk to you soon.
3: Thanks. You too. Bye.
1: Thanks, Chelsea.
0: Great show, Aaron. Uh, there's just a lot of really great stuff uh chelsea obviously a huge inspiration to people uh, i wish more people knew her story that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have her on today so people would you know know more about her and you know more people need to live their lives like like chelsea gilliam
1: i agree and you know we we were you know talking movies talking about twilight and i think we're all team chelsea here uh so, <laughs> so let's, let's get that out there uh no just a great inspiration uh We've gotten to uh, work with her uh, multiple times over the years. You know, we uh, we met, talked about the fabulous four in 2015, uh, the PWBA tour, and her work collegiately. Uh, just just such a great uh, individual in the bowling community. You know, outside of her fight, her struggle, and everything she's gone through, uh, j- just a great ambassador for bowling in the first first part. But uh, yes, her story is uh, is one that uh, we've gotten to share a couple times and. It's uh you know we're uh we're always rooting for Chelsea we're always uh, pulling for Chelsea and it's uh it was great to to uh, hear her story once again and catch up and just get that positive energy that she brings as well that that's, uh, that's uh, very awesome obviously uh, you know it it could be a, di- a different outlook for sure but uh, her positivity she's joking around having a great time uh, that that brings a lot to uh, every conversation you have with her
0: absolutely. So uh anyway, we're going to have her on Bull TV. We're she's going to be our new <laughs> guest commentator. So uh you look forward to that and then uh, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind she'll be back out on the lanes, you know, kicking some butt. Look out, Jillian Martin. Chelsea's coming for There you. we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh it was also nice to have uh Sarah Rosales and Susan Brown on the show. Um so if you're if you're interested in uh more information about Bull for the Cure or Komen, where can they find that, Aaron?
1: Uh the place to go, uh bull for the cure deck or bull.com. See uh Sarah had the had that too, but uh, <laughs> but uh the main spot for us is uh bull dot com slash bull for the cure, uh bftc for short. So there's a few different ways to get through it on our website, of course. Um uh as mentioned, we also have a uh, multiple social media aspects to uh follow bull for the cure as well. So Facebook, Instagram um, Twitter, all the normal spots, uh, and then Komen.org, uh, for all the great information courtesy of Susan G Coman. Uh, you know, throughout the, the course of this journey, we, we uh, talked to Sarah, we talked to, uh, Susan, but, uh, we got to give a shout out as well to, uh, Taylor Jacobs, uh, on the Susan G Komen side, and then Reagan Beverly on the, uh, USBC bull for the cure side for all the hard work they do as well, uh, to make all this possible. So I know, uh, you know, we, I work with Reagan on quite a few of the newsletters and stuff like that. So uh, there's there's so much great information available on that site. So uh, be sure to check out both sites. Uh, and just thank you to everyone involved in uh, trying to find a cure and fight this. And uh, we're going pink, folks.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, Aaron, uh, we have got a lot of more great content coming up on uh, on Bowl TV and our social media channels the rest of the week. I'm going to have Lou Marquez on uh, Bowling Explained on Wednesday. What have you guys got cooking up in the uh, OC? Uh, world
1: uh well we, we have a show coming up on thursday uh I, it was originally supposed to be chris castle from australia i think matt said uh we might have to find a a uh late replacement though so okay. we uh, uh potentially looking on securing that uh, later in the week but uh we'll have someone on Thursday. So, uh <laughs> we will be here and available that'll be uh 2 p.m eastern uh for both shows so of course check that out And then uh, coming up a little bit later, uh, the following week, the Hoosier Classic, our next live event on February 20th and 21st. Uh, Looking forward to that and getting back into the collegiate realm.
0: Yeah, awesome. And if you happen to miss the Mid-States Championships this weekend, we covered that on Bull TV. All those those events are in the archive uh, as well if you want to go back and check that out. Uh, But uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Aaron, uh, who would you like to thank before we uh, close it out for today?
1: Everybody. (laughs) <laughs> uh no, no once again uh j- just uh, first and foremost uh chelsea gilliam for joining us sharing her story once again uh such an inspiration we have uh from the susan g Komen side sarah rosales susan brown and taylor jacobs uh here from the campus reagan beverly for jason thomas i'm aaron smith thank you again for watching the pwba podcast and remember folks on bowl tv bowling lives here have a great week folks